So the message I'm gonna talk about today is called We Are Family. And I love that you are my family. I'm gonna talk about a spiritual family today and how important it is and what the scriptures say about it. Um, so even though I'm not your mom, I feel very momish over everybody in this room and very protective um, because Pastor Ross and I had the privilege of uh, the Holy Spirit speaking to us and birthing this dream of this family called One Chapel. And so I feel very momish over you and um, I pray for you, Pastor Ross and I pray for you all the time, pretty much daily we pray for you to be blessed and to be full of the Holy Spirit. And so I just kinda wanna tell you all today um, that I love you and deeply, you are my family. And if there's someone here today who didn't have a mom that, um, that told you that they loved you, uh, I just wanna stand in a gap today and say that I love you. I love you today. We're a spiritual family. And so I just speak that love into you, that love of Jesus. And so um, this conviction I have about church being a family was modeled and instilled in me by my parents who were such amazing, loving, loving pastors. They're not perfect because we know that not everyone is perfect. There's no one that's perfect except Jesus and they killed him for it. Um, but I, and so no one's perfect. And like Pastor Ross likes to say, pastors are people too. Um, so I just thought I'd take a minute and share maybe a story of my imperfection. Just be transparent for all you moms who are struggling out there and um, might have you know, done a few things that you weren't too proud of. I'll share a little story with you. Um, and this is a well-known story and, and Ross has shared it before, but when my oldest two were about 10 and eight, they were just being out of control crazy one day. And they were at the top of the stairs in our house and I was at the bottom of the stairs and I was so frustrated because they weren't listening. And I closed my eyes and I clenched my fist and I yelled, shut up, shut up, shut up, or I'm gonna spank the crap out of your butts. <laughs> Which those were all the words that they were not allowed to say. <laughs> and I just yelled at them and then I think I lectured them for like five minutes and they just stood there and stared at me. And then when I was done, they just slowly backed away. <laughs> and they went in the room. So it worked, but it wasn't like the best way to do that. So the good thing is though, I apologized. And as parents, it's so great. It's a great lesson for our kids when we apologize to them and we own our mistakes. So I think they've forgiven me for that and we're all good now. Um, but anyway, I love, another thing I love that Pastor Ross says, I love so many things that Pastor Ross says. He's so wise and just full of wisdom and, um, he, sa he says that <laughs> church is um, both family and army because both entities instill strong values and training into our culture. And we are family on a mission together, amen? And the better we love and care for each other, the better we love and care for this family of believers, the more success successful our mission will be of bringing people into this big, beautiful family of God. So my goal and my hope of this message today is that your perspective will change just a little bit when you think about coming to church. It would be more meaningful than just coming to hear an amazing, powerful, anointed, perfectly architect, sculptured, polished message that we have routinely here at One Chapel. Um, and it won't be just to come and check the box of, okay, well I did my Christian duty, I feel good now. 
or it won't just be to come and get your social or spiritual fix, but our mindsets will be changed a little bit. Um, because you see, church was never meant to be simply something we attend, but rather a family we belong to. I'm gonna say that one more time. Church was never meant to be something we simply attend, but rather a family that we belong to. And I think maybe in the American church, we've just lost that just a little bit. And so I would love it if we would recapture that in this church and be a family that takes care of each other. Because that's what families do. They take care of each other. And I hope that our perspective can be like if we're on a team or if we're leading a group that... Um, we're actually taking care of our family. It's not just a task, but it's what we're called to do because we love each other deeply. And so I wanna start out and just read through a couple scriptures that talk about church being family, set the foundation like that. So um, we're gonna start off with Galatians 3.26 that says, for you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. So if you have faith in Jesus, then we are siblings. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. And I love how the Message Bible reads in verse 28 to 29 of Galatians. It says, in Christ's family, there can be no division into Jew and non-Jew, slave and free, male and female. Among us, you are all equal. That is, we are all in common relationship with Jesus Christ. Also, since you are Christ's family, then you are Abraham's famous descendant, heirs according to the covenant promises. And then another one, and again to the church in Ephesians, Ephesians 2.19 says, so now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens with all God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Um, so I think though that the most intriguing verses that I, I wanna read in a few minutes reveal the, important, uh, the importance of the family of God, how important it is to Jesus himself. Sorry about that. Because establishing the family of God was at the heart of Christ's message and mission. Jesus thinks that our spiritual family is important. And so I wanna show you that real quick in the scriptures. And I love these verses. These are such great verses about the family, about our spiritual family. So in Matthew 12, 46 through 50, it says, as Jesus was speaking to the crowd, his mother and brother stood outside asking to speak to him. Someone told Jesus, your mother and brothers are standing outside and they wanna to speak to you. Jesus asked, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Then he pointed to his disciples and said, look, these are my mother and brothers. Anyone who does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Now Jesus, he wasn't being disrespectful to his biological family because I don't think Jesus can be disrespectful because um, he's the son of God and all. Um, he was just emphasizing the importance of the new spiritual family that he was beginning. Our spiritual family, our church family is so important. Now look at this, in John 19, 26 to 27, this is where Jesus was on the cross. And just before he said, it is finished, he, he had been on the cross, he'd bloodied, he'd been whipped already, he just, he was excruciating pain, he was exhausted, and right he, before he said, it is finished, and he breathed his last, um, he was taking care of his family, and I'll show you that. So uh, John 19, 26 through 27 says, when Jesus saw his mother standing there beside the disciple he loved, he said to her, dear woman, here is your son. And he said to his disciple, here is your mother. And from then on, this disciple took her into his home. 
I love these verses because even though Jesus was in such pain and agony, he was concerned about his, his, his mom and her pain. He was thinking about her future and her security and her protection. Jesus loved his mom. Isn't that amazing? Jesus really loved his mom. Um, and so he entrusted her to John, his beloved disciple. John was the only disciple there with the women around the cross. Um, so typically, the firstborn son would um, commit the care of his mother to an immediate family member. But Jesus knew that none of his brothers were disciples yet. They had not accepted his claims or were committed to his mission yet. And so Jesus, he commended her to John, his disciple, which is such a beautiful illustration of God's new family being born at the foot of the cross. And I love this. I mean, our, our earthly family is important, and you see that because Jesus took care of his mom. He was concerned about his mom. But you also see how important the spiritual family was because he entrusted his mom to one of his disciples, his brothers in the faith, and his, the spiritual family was being born right there. The last scripture I'll read is Galatians 6, 9 through 10. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. Isn't that great? Do you know what especially means? I'm gonna tell you what especially means. Especially means to single out one person, thing, or situation over all others. So when the scriptures say that when we have the opportunity to do good to everyone, but we should especially to do good to those in the family of faith, we need to pay attention because that's important. Our spiritual family is important because how we take care of one another is is what speaks of Jesus' love to the world. It's really, it's really important how we care for our spiritual family, for people in this church, for the big church at large, our brothers and sisters in Christ. It really speaks to our love for Christ. And it shows people um, how to love a family. And it shows people that, I mean, it really, if, if we're loving well, it speaks to people to, and it, and it enables them to be part of the family. It makes them want to be part of that family when people are loved so well, amen? So here's, so let's talk about uh, Jesus and his disciples and at the Last Supper, how we're supposed to love our family. Jesus tells us in the scriptures how we're supposed to love our spiritual family. And so um, I wanna look at John 13, 33 through 35 but I'm gonna give back up a little bit. So right before these scriptures um, is, is where Jesus was washing his disciples' feet. And even Judas, who was gonna betray him, he was washing his feet. He washed all his disciples' feet. And then, then he said this to them. Um, Dear children, I will be with you only a little longer. And as I told the Jewish leaders, you will search for me, but you can't come where I'm going. So now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. 
And again in John 15, 12, after he was resurrected, after he had given his life on the cross, he said the same thing. He said, just as I have loved you, you should love one another. And he was talking about the disciples. He was talking about how, we, how they're supposed to love each other. And so how is that? What does that look like? Well, Jesus loved them sacrificially and unconditionally. We see when he, when he washed the disciples' feet, he was serving them and humbling himself before them. When he gave his life, he humbled himself and he gave his life for them sacrificially. And so that is what Jesus is calling us to as a family of believers, we're to love each other sacrificially and unconditionally. And so, um, so I'm gonna just go through a few practical ways. What does that look like practically for our church body, for us? How can we do that? How can we love each other sacrificially, humbly, and unconditionally? So the first way is that we share each other's burdens. In Galatians 6.2, it says, share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. We love God best when we love each other. So I wanna ask you today, whose burden are you sharing? Whose burden are you sharing today? Um, and in order to know if people even have burdens or cares, you, we have to be connected enough to get to know people, right? To get to know when they're in need or if they need a meal or they're sick or they need help with their bills. Um, and this is what the scriptures command us to do, to share each other's burdens. Um, the second way we practically, sacrificially love our brothers and sisters in Christ is that we look for the lonely. Psalm 68.6 says, God places the lonely in families just like Jesus did with his mom. And I used to say this to my kids all the time when we would, before school or I'd drive them to school, we would pray a little bit. And I'd say, hey, you guys need to look up from the lunch table. You need to look up at recess and you need to find the kid who's by himself or herself and is, doesn't have anybody to play with, and you go invite them into your world. You go invite them to sit with you. And even when we moved here and they didn't have any friends, <laughs> I told them, hey, you be that one who still looks for the lonely one. If you need a friend, be a friend. Go look for that one and be friends. And so it's so important, family, we have lonely pe people sitting right in this room right next to you. It's important for us to look up and see the lonely ones that Jesus has placed in our family and love them. So the third, and the third way we can uh, love our family members sacrificially and practically is described in Philippians 2, 3 through 8. And I love this. It's one of my favorite passages of scripture. It says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges and took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. This whole thing, this whole, uh, all these verses are pretty much talking about humility and humbling ourselves. It says, 
Be humble, think of others as better than yourselves. I like to think of it as prefer others above yourself. Prefer someone else over yourself. And the key is humility. Humility is not thinking, of, not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. And so how do we walk this out practically? How do we prefer our brother and sister over us practically? So I'm gonna give you an example. So let's say you're out in the hallway, lobby church. Do we have lobby church anymore? We're talking to people for service and somebody walks by and they're just, they're just rude to you. For no reason, they're just rude to you. And sometimes we would normally think, oh, what a jerk. I don't wanna, what's wrong with them today? I don't, they're really rude. I don't wanna get to know that person. That's kind of thinking of yourself first. So I would like to kind of turn that around and maybe do it this way. When somebody is walking by and they are a little rude to you, think, you know what? I bet they're having a bad day today. I don't know what's going on in their life. Maybe they just got some bad news or maybe they, their kids were sick or maybe something happened, but I bet they need me to pray for them. So I'm gonna pray for them. I'm gonna give them benefit of the doubt. So I think we should adopt this phrase. It's called live in the benefit of the doubt. We should just live in the benefit of the doubt and not make every awkward or rude altercation about ourselves and humble ourselves and prefer one another above ourselves. That's what don't think of yourself first means. Now, if it becomes a pattern with a person and they keep being rude to you, <laughs> then the scripture talks about that as well. Um, because in families, just like our earthly families, we're gonna have conflict, right? Because we're people, people have conflict. Conflict isn't bad, conflict isn't bad. It's uncomfortable, I'm a nine, I hate conflict. But it's really not bad. And, and we have conflict in our house, don't we? I yelled at my children, right? Yep. Right? Yeah. And you might have yelled at me too. <laughs> Actually, I'm pretty much a door slammer, that's my thing, that's my go-to when I get mad. And you know, I thought it was maybe okay because you, know, you read in the scriptures that Jesus overturned the tables. So I figured door slamming and table overturning are kind of the same thing maybe. I feel like my anger is righteous at times. Maybe not, maybe that's not good advice. Um, but we are gonna be offended by one another. And so when that happens, the scriptures in Matthew 18, this is your homework, I want you to go read this today. Matthew 18 talks about how to handle conflict with each other, with believers, with brothers and sisters in Christ. And it says, first you go to that person. Go to the person who has offended you. Don't go to all your friends and start talking about how upset you are or what you're gonna do. Go to the person that offended you and talk it through and go right away. Quicker is better. I have done this wrong so many times, people, and I've waited too long and then the problem just gets bigger and the enemy likes to come in and, and slander that person in your thoughts. And so just don't do it. Just go straight to the person and work it out. And if, if you can't resolve it, then the scripture says bring a friend or two. If you still can't resolve it, take to the leadership of the church. And if you still can't resolve it, the scripture says to treat that person as a pagan or tax collector, which doesn't mean treat them poorly, actually. It means you pray for them and you're kind. We always have to uphold the reputation of a Jesus follower. Amen? Amen. So we're still kind, but we just don't, you don't have to have that, people, that person in your circle. It's okay. Sometimes you can't reconcile, and it's okay. Um, 
but Jesus gives us a roadmap to follow with conflict. So I wanna tell you a story about my dad. This is a good example of humbling yourself. My dad and mom were pastors, uh, and we were just fixing to move into our first building, um, and it was a really exciting time because we had started out in a, in a house, then we went to um, a Holiday Inn. We had the nursery in the prickly pear bar. Happy kids in that nursery, just teasing. And then um, went to an elementary school. Yeah, they went to elementary school with no air conditioning. The elementary school didn't have air conditioning in Texas, I don't get that. And then um, motorcycle shop. It was an old motorcycle shop that we, we were redoing. And so my dad hired somebody to do the construction on it, but a gentleman who had been coming to our church for a while approached my dad and he wanted to, um, he wanted to be the contractor. And my dad said, oh, I'm so sorry, but I don't have, I already hired someone else and blah, blah. And the guy got really mad at my dad. I don't know why to this day, but he was really mad. And so he started spreading rumors about my dad, that he was mishandling money and just a horrible pastor, horrible person, and wasn't trustworthy, which if you knew my dad, he was the most honorable man in the whole wide world. And this was very, very hurtful to him and to my mom. She wanted to kick him out of the church, which is probably what I would have wanted to do, but my dad prayed about it. And he said, no, you know, I think the Lord is asking me to wash his feet. So, so my dad, who his reputation was being torn apart and he was very hurt and wounded, he went to this man's house and he knocked on the door and he said, sir, you know, I, I just really prayed about this and I feel like God has told me to come and wash your feet. Would you let me wash your feet? So the guy's like, oh yeah, I guess so. So he led him in the house. My dad got a, a water, a bowl of water and a towel and he, he humbled himself and he knelt down and he washed the man's feet. And he said the man just broke, just broke down, just broke down and started, started sobbing. He just started sobbing. My dad was crying. And he got to really just talk through his issues in life and talk about Jesus with him and come to find out he wasn't a believer. And so my dad led him to the Lord that day. And then fast forward nine months, the uh, man ended up crashing his car and dying in a car wreck. And so my dad was just so grateful that he had obeyed Jesus and that he'd humbled himself, even though it was painful for him, but that he humbled himself and preferred this man above him because that's where resurrection life can come in when we humble ourselves and prefer someone else. Amen? And that's what we're called to do. That's what we're called to do with our family members. I know it's hard. Look, I know it's hard. Church hurt is really hard. I think everybody in this room has probably experienced some kind of church hurt. And when I say church hurt, I mean family hurt. Because that's what it is, it's spiritual family hurt. And so I just wanna take a few minutes and we're just gonna sing a song. We're gonna worship Jesus. And I just want you to let Taylor sing the first verse over you um, and listen and just let the Holy Spirit reveal to you maybe some things that in your, are in your heart that you need to forgive and some hurts that you need to take and give to Jesus so that you can be free to love others as Christ has loved you. And so we're gonna do that. I'm gonna pray for us 
and then we'll all stand and I'll, I'll have some prayer people up in the front. So if you need prayer, you can come up and we're just gonna spend a little time in the presence of Jesus and, and let him heal our hearts because you know what, Jesus is the healer. He really is. He really is, he can heal any wound in your heart. It's not too big for him if we give it to him. So let me pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your love. I thank you for your sacrificial, humble love that you showed to us, God. We didn't deserve it, but you gave it to us and it brought us life. And so God, I pray that you would help us do the same thing. And I, I know there are people in this room who have really deep wounds from hurts from their brothers and sisters in Christ, or just really deep wounds from their family members. And so Father, we just take a moment and we acknowledge those hurts. We acknowledge that pain. And we know you know what it feels like. You know what it feels like to be hurt and to be wounded and to be betrayed and be, to be talked about. And so Father, I just, I just thank you that you will come in and you would heal those wounds as we're spending this time with you, as we're fixing our eyes upon you, as we're sitting in your presence. Holy Spirit, come and heal those wounds in our lives that keep us from being free and from loving freely. Do what only you can do, Holy Spirit. In your name I pray, amen.